Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this podcast, uh, Rated LGBT Radio, and this particular episode, um, in case you're like listening to a whole bunch of episodes all at once, is our very first of 2023. So um, I feel like we should be turning a new page or something like that. Um, we're kind of showing up and doing what we always do. But as always, we have another fantastic guest lined up for you. Um, this one I am very excited about, I'm, uh, which, you know, I know I say that every week because um, uh, we, have, we, we have fantastic people to talk to. Um, this week, however, I relate probably even more to our guests than most of the others we have. Um, our guest is a gentleman named... Uh, Jose Roland. Uh, Jose is uh, goes by NYC Gay Dad on TikTok and Instagram uh, and probably other social media. Uh, but you know his story is very much about being a single gay dad raising three kids in New York City. Um, I'm my past, as a lot of people know is being a essentially a single gay dad raising two kids um, in California. So very different environments, different situations. Um, I became a single gay dad because of divorce, uh, where I ended up with full custody. Um, Jose's story is um, more tragic. Um, he became a widower, and we'll, we'll get into the details of that. Um, but... Um, he he's out there telling his story, appearing on TikTok, adorable, adorable TikTok videos with his three kids, each of which you can already tell are major talents in of themselves. Um, uh, Jose has, because of those clips, um, several of which have gone viral, has appeared on a lot of media. He's been on the Today Show, now this news, Ellen's Game of Games. Uh, Tamron, the Tamron Hall Show, Univision Se Habla USA, and the Drew Barrymore Show. That's just the notoriety he's gotten for being a dad. Um, he's also been the first gay dad to appear on the cover of Parents Latina magazine. Um, besides that, and his day job, um, he is a wedding planner, and he is one of the most upcoming wedding planners in New York City, which in my California opinion, is the place you want to get married if you get married. Uh, I can't imagine a more incredible place uh, to be for that. Um, but his work in that industry has brought him notoriety from the New York Times, Brides, NACE. Um, he's been featured with Mark, Martha Stewart, Essence Magazine, Catered Weddings, New York Weddings, The Best of the Knot. Um, and he was named one of Biz Bash's most influential event professionals. Then, <laughs> because he had nothing else better to do, um, he is also the co-host of uh, several different shows on different media. 
He is the co-host on a new series on Crackle called Wedding Talk. Um, he is the host of The Knows Parenting and Parenting Wins. And um, over the holidays, he hosted Love Story TV's Christmas TV special, uh, which was about a month ago on December 10th. Wow. So <laughs> busy, busy man. And I... I, just knowing what it's like to live with um, young kids and being their parent, um, yeah, I can't imagine. So um, he is waiting in the wings. Can't wait to talk to him and hear more about how he came to be in terms of, of what his life is right now. Uh, before that, I want to go to my co-host, Brody Lebeck. Brody is the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine. Um so be sure to take a look at that magazine. You should be reading it every day. It is original journalism, um, very much to the depth of stories you don't read about elsewhere. Um, it is one of the most up-and-coming magazines in Los Angeles. Um, and Brody is also our co-host and produces the show here. Um, so with that, I'll turn it over to Brody and see what is going on in the world and please do not tell me there's then yet another vote on Kevin McCarthy. Um, <clears throat> okay, I won't, but there was, and there is. They just got started oh. with round 10. <laughs> okay, and, and let's, let's go over that, that, that uh, definition of insanity, um, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, I think is uh, how it goes. It's basically the Republican version of Groundhog Day, um, only without Bill Murray. Uh, the United States House of Representatives um, has, at this moment, uh, and is it, I guess, five after the hour of five o'clock on the East Coast, still not selected a Speaker of the House of Representatives. Um, the leading Republican Majority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, uh, has found himself getting shot down not once, not twice not three times, but nine times, by a very small minority of rebel Republican lawmakers uh, that are completely and totally dissatisfied uh, with any commitment that uh, the Republican majority leader has made. They don't trust him, uh, and quite frankly, they want to see a change. I have been literally direct texting with both Democratic and Republican lawmakers on the floor, I can tell you at this hour, uh, the Democrats are holding uh, steady. Uh, they have completely unified over the last nine votes for uh, Representative Hakeem Jeffries of New York, uh, who is a Democratic uh, minority leader. Uh, the Republicans are just in complete disarray. Uh, McCarthy has been getting over 200 votes on every go-around, but with the rebels holding out, there's no way for him to obtain the necessary majority threshold to become um, speaker. And the way the House rules are, it's what we call the body of a whole. So in order to become House speaker, you quite literally have to have damn near everybody or at least over, you know, two-thirds, you know, uh, saying, yeah, we want you. Well, that's not happening here. It's, uh, you know, and it's one of these things that we kind of anticipated because for weeks prior to, uh, this moment, there was a lot of dissatisfaction and dissension 
There were a lot of backroom meetings going on, uh, uh, both on Capitol Hill and uh, elsewhere. Um, the big sticking points for these rebels is that they really honestly, truly feel that, you know, McCarthy has got to go. They, they've referred to it in four speeches nominating their guys uh, as the swamp. McCarthy's more of the same. Uh, they took shot at the $1.7 trillion package that was sent through just before Christmas by the previous Congress. Um, so there, there's that kind of contention and drama. At this point, Republican sources are telling me that after this 10th round and being how it's so late, there's a good chance that they're going to push uh, for an adjournment, which the Democrats, like last night, will probably oppose. Uh, but because there is numerically a Republican majority, the Republicans will probably go for an adjournment, and then there'll be another ongoing series in that Republican conference of backroom deals trying to work things out. McCarthy is not uh, walking away from this. He's been very combative through the entire process, uh, and he has no intention of stepping aside. In the very now unlikely event that he was to step aside, uh, my congressional sources on the Republican side are telling me that the most likely candidate as nominee for House Speaker would be Representative Stephen Scalise of Louisiana. Representative Scalise is someone that the rebels would probably also back, uh, particularly because they would see that as a change, although there's some question as to whether they'd see that as a complete change. So at this hour, approaching dinner time in Washington, the uh, still as yet seated not quite sworn in, 118th Congress is still trying to get themselves a speaker. Here's, here's what I don't understand. I would think that maybe 10 Republican congressmen who are moderate to progressive would see this opportunity to step up, pull up somebody that a Republican like that, like let's say even like a Liz Cheney, and take that mm-hmm. to the Democrats and say, we're going to put this person up. If you all vote for him and we all vote for them, then that person's in. And then those 10 Congress people would wield power for the next two years because, you know, they, whatever they wanted to, to do, the Democrats would have to go along with and the rest of the Republicans, that wouldn't even matter. So, I mean, I just, it just seems like this huge power opportunity because uh, invariably in Washington, it is the moderate middle that gets to make a choice on things because it, it always comes down to them. In a given year, that's probably true, but we've discovered over the last few cycles, particularly since Trump uh, took over uh, that, um, the radicals, for whatever reason, don't seem to want to compromise. And as a direct result, we've seen a tremendous amount of infighting that normally you wouldn't. So it's, it's hard to say. I do need to point out that of the 20-odd people that are rebelling against uh, the Republican conference, virtually every one of them is rabidly um, – anti-LGBTQ or anti-trans. They're, they're awful. Yeah. So it, it's, it, they're, they're really bad. Um, 
The other thing that we've been just kind of keeping a weather eye on, actually our guest may even want to comment on this one, Representative George Santos of New York's 3rd Congressional District. He's a Republican. He's openly gay. And he's a grifting liar. Virtually every news organization, starting with the New York press, has just torn this guy's background apart. And it looks to us that nothing that comes out of his lips (laughs) is true or even remotely close to it. Um, And at this point, been dodging reporters on Capitol Hill. I mean, it was a shark-feeding frenzy yesterday uh, as my colleagues in the broadcast media and some print outlets one after this guy. Uh, there has been calls from New York's other openly gay uh, representative and a Democrat, uh, someone who's actually been on this show before, uh, Richie Torres of New York, and the congressman is basically saying, Santos needs to step aside. There are calls yeah. for him to step aside from his congressional district, from his constituency. More importantly, though, Rob, the U.S. Department of Justice, the New York State Attorney General, Letitia James, and the Nassau County, which is the largest part of the 3rd uh, Congressional District's DA, uh, and Donnelly, are all looking at him for irregularities in finance uh, uh, in terms of his campaign, and even the FEC is taking a hard look. So he may not actually be long for this earth. Um, and then outside of that, we're starting a new year. Uh, we're keeping an eye on things overseas. Uh, i got to give hats off to uh, the Irish Parliament, uh, they just uh, pledged a, a ban on conversion therapy for 2023. This is a major concession by the Parliament of Ireland to move forward on uh, a conversion therapy ban. We certainly hope uh, that they're able to do that. Uh, and outside of that, a little bit of cheery news. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, uh, Carl Nessib, NFL star, on his Instagram confirmed that, yes, he is dating, and he has a boyfriend, and his boyfriend is Olympic, uh, former Olympian uh, swimmer uh, Soren Dahl. They're a couple, and uh, over the last weekend, they uh, posted uh, boyfriend pictures uh, on their Instagram. So congratulations to uh, Carl and his boyfriend, and we wish you quite well. Well, and is he an active NFL player? Oh, he's this not is what I know. <laughs> it's like yeah, anybody no, else you told that news to in, in the world would know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like no, oh, he's, a football player, he's, yeah, great. He's a he's a he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Yes, he's very active. He actually uh, came out when he was still with the with the Raiders. So, great. Uh, okay, but yeah, he's he's the NFL's only out gay player right now. Okay, good. All right. Well, yay for him. Good, good, good job. Good job. Good job. <laughs> So, Thank you. Uh, Brody, I'm going to take you back before we bring on our, our guest, uh, just to some uh, context. Uh, years ago, um, I, I was submitting my blog and column to different LA or different LGBT publications. Um, I was published on Huffington Post and um, Gay Star News, and I decided to try um, then one of the most prominent um, LGBTQ nation, of which one Brody Levesque was the senior editor. And um, so I had written an article uh, that I sent off to Huffington Post. I kind of was doing my own version of 
syndication, whether the publications liked it or not. Um, but I sent off pub, uh, this article to different publications that had been publishing me. And Brody, you called me, you actually pulled me out of a meeting that I, cause I was working in high tech and um, about this article because all of the publications wanted to use it as a headline article. Um, and I was like absolutely mystified. And you told me at the time, you went, um, you're popular. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay. Because <laughs> all my articles were written from the perspective of a gay dad sounding off on. And the article in question was one article where I was inviting the Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy to dinner to meet my kids. Um, mm -hmm. And the, uh, the point of that article uh, was because marriage equality was coming up to the Supreme Court, and I felt that the Supreme Court should see what a, a real gay family was like. Um, that article did get published in all those publications, although I wrote a special version of it for LGBTQ Nation because, hello, Brody Levesque asked me to. Um, and um, from what I understood, that article, well, first of all, Forbes picked up on it. Business Week picked up on it. It was quoted in various places. Um, and my hope was that it was seen in the halls of the Supreme Court. And, Brody, you kind of indicated you felt that had been the case. When the ruling came down, Anthony Kennedy actually, he didn't quote my article, but he did make reference to his thinking on, on being for the ruling. And he was another one of those in the middle of the road swing boats that I was talking about before that kind of wielded power because of that position. Um, but his rationale for wanting marriage equality was because of the kids in gay families and that they deserved equal rights against other kids in other families. And so that, you know, hopefully that message got heard. Well, Fast forward to today, we have um, this incredible family. Um, Jose Roland is the, the dad of the family. Um, he and his kids are making TikTok videos. And again, it's another way for the gay dad-led family to be seen and be visible. Um, and it looks like I lost Brody there. Well, oh well. In any case, um, happy to bring on um, Jose, Jose, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. And that was like uh, the, the news that's coming out, right? Between Carl and Soren being like this new power couple and then the news in Ireland. I was just there a month ago and I had such a fantastic time and really the most generous, incredible people to, you know, the mess that George Santos is. That's uh, wild. Yeah, let's go to the George part. He's in your neck of the woods. What is what is the buzz buzz in the streets of New York about him? I mean, honestly, the buzz is, is the same it is across the country. I think that, like, that's how much it's sort of seeped into our nation. I think, you know, we, we're all sort of like, what the hell is going on with this guy? And I think, I think there was something that just recently came out that he filed for divorce or filed for separation yeah. or something from a woman like in 2020. So there's so many wild things that are happening with him that, I mean, he absolutely 100% has to step down. Yeah. It's, I know what you're talking about because he 
he got divorced from a woman, and um, you know, I I actually was like trying to figure this out because I was looking at pictures of him at Marlago with his quote unquote husband, um, of which, by the way, there are no records in at least in New York of of him marrying a man, and the guy looks like. I see other pictures of his staff, and it looks like a guy that's on his staff, which would not be unusual for a husband to be part of the staff. But it just—it's all very weird, very, very weird. Anyway, let's let's move on because let's move to a much more interesting story, <laughs> which is yours. <laughs> um, oh gosh! So let, let's go back to the beginning. I, I mean, you're growing up as a kid in a Latinx family with with that kind of uh, cultural background. Figuring out that you're gay, um, you also, you know, somewhere in you were cultivating a desire to be a parent yourself. What was that like? What What was your, your childhood and your self-awareness like? Oh, you you, you want to go, like, way back. <laughs> way back, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up as an only child in a Puerto Rican neighborhood in, in the projects in Worcester, Massachusetts. And, you know, I mean, it, it is – you know, in our culture, uh, was drenched in machismo. And, you know, so there was a lot of that. And, you know, my father was a firefighter turned drug dealer, um, drug user. And, you know, he was just a really, he was a Marine. So, you know, there was just a lot of keeping things straight and being, you know, acting like a man. You know, I, I, I remember one time my I was like walking to my bedroom and it's like a small little hallway to the bedroom and, and I'm walking away and then he calls me over and I walk over and he goes, turn around. And then he slaps me really hard um, on, on the butt and tells me to walk like a man, not like a faggot. Right. So that's just an example of like what my upbringing was. Um, So I, I think like from there, obviously I was looking for some sort of form of, of escape and, and, you know, I went to summer camp overnight summer camp. And I think that was like a, you know, the best part of my childhood because it was a way to, you know, really get away. And then, you know, I, I, when I found out my junior year of high school, because I, I did shit in like in school, I was, I, I was getting like D's and F's. I, I never did well in school. And then my sophomore year of high school, I remember my guidance counselor telling me, you know, Hey, if you maintain a BC average because you're Hispanic, you know, these colleges, obviously that, you know, at the time they're trying to fill their quota, you can go to any college you want. And it blew my mind like that, that those 10 seconds blew my mind because it, because I, and I asked, I was like, does that mean I could get out of Worcester? And she goes, yeah, you can go anywhere in the country. And so that was my way out. And I went to UMass Amherst and, and then I moved to New York in 99. And, and I, and I, and I came out, you know, I came out my first year of college and, and that was, it, it was easy for me. Actually, I, I never really had a bad coming out story. My, my mom was super accepting and loving. My dad had passed away at the time. He passed away in 94 of AIDS. And, um, and, and yeah, so I think, you know, coming to New York felt like the next best thing for, for a young gay man like myself. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's so funny, just the intersect. I relate to you on so many levels, being a gay dad. My dad was also a Marine, although very different from your dad and just a, a whole lot of it. Although in, in 1999, I was already in that position thinking about having kids and you were just arriving, you know, to New York, which is, is you know, it's, <laughs> it's just really fascinating for me to see 
the the path I went on and the path you're on and the difference of, you know, it's it's like a 15 year difference of of experience. Yeah. My kids, I guess your your son's going to turn 10 this year. My son's turn 21 this year. So it's like, so wild. Just to, yeah, but it's, um, you know, I, it, it's, my heart moves every time I see stuff with you and everything else because I, I relate so much. The one, Rob, one of your tips. Rob, I was going to, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, you were, it, it's really interesting hearing that from you because, you know, I, I, I describe what we're in at, at the moment is like we're really at the forefront of the, you know, LGBTQ parenting is still very new in the, in the grand picture. And I still feel like I'm part of that crew that's sort of at the forefront of it. But when you were doing it, you were walking it alone. You know, I, I remember, I remember going to some pride marches and uh, in maybe 2002. And I remember seeing these two dads with their daughter on their shoulder thinking it, it was just such an odd image to me. And, and, it, yeah. was not, it was just foreign to me. And I was like, oh, and, and for me, you know, you're talking, you asked me about being a dad. I, that was sort of my first thing of like, oh, it, this might be possible. This, this might be possible. So, yeah, it's, it's wild. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, no, it's, and it, that's exactly it. It was, I mean, at the time it was, you know, finding the path to do it, and there weren't a lot of doors open. In fact, California had just, made it legal for gay men to adopt. It was like before, like within like months before we started doing our stuff, it had been actually illegal in California for us to even do it. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it, it was, it was early on. And I did, you know, I did read in something where you were talking about being as the, as, that uh, gay parenting was in its infancy, and I remember thinking at the time when I read that I was going, "Wow, I must have been in the you know embryonic stage." Because <laughs> like, well, well, you know, because, it, because it, you were, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, um, and that was the, to that point. That was part of my drive to be visible and to be out there writing about it and and be known. Because I, I truly believe the more they see us, the more they know us, which is exactly what you're doing. Um, you know, that's, that's vital. Because when, yeah. at that point, when I was doing it, the people who were against gay parenting were just running ads with two men, um, two adult men, not particularly radical looking, with a baby carriage and going, Oh horrors! This is what what might happen. You know, I mean, they didn't even have to embellish it much, and the sensibility was so far sure. off that that was that was scary to people. And now, I mean, I actually love the love that you're getting because that's how much things have changed. That people see your family, and and damn right, why shouldn't they? I mean, your family is awesome. Um, but the, the, the defense is down on that. I did want to talk to you about one, one particular TikTok, and it has nothing to do with the kids, that you did that just killed me, which was your um, It Gets Better TikTok, where you're talking to your 18-year-old self. And oh. people, go, go check that out. I mean, oh, my God. And knowing your story, it's it, – you know, it it was like, uh, I mean, I, 
I almost can't talk about it now. I'm choking up. But tell us what happened with you and Tim falling in love and you're starting your family. Yeah, you, you know, I, I will say that is one of my personal favorites too because, and I have it pinned at the very top because, you know, I was I was being known for being comedic or having a, a light sense of humor, wholesome, and 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 I think once my stuff went viral, like people understood that I was a single father, and but they didn't understand how I became a single father, and so then they started to get some interest once the the media caught on, and so. I, I, that was the first post that I put out that was like serious and, and more definitely like pulling at the heartstrings. And so, so I appreciate that. I, I, I get choked up sometimes when I see it because it, it really was from the heart. Um, so when, a- when Avery, but my husband and I got married uh, in 2000 and uh, 2010 and uh we decided once we got married, we were going to start a family and we went through surrogacy. We found this incredible surrogate, Natasha down in Florida. And, uh, we, our beautiful baby was born Avery. Uh, and when Avery was two months old, Tim, my husband, uh, came out of the room and said, Hey babe, you you know what I was thinking in my mind? I'm like, what pizza or Chinese, right? Like I I thought he was talking about takeout (laughs) and he was like, I think we should have more kids. And that just like blew my mind. I was like, yeah, I remember actually saying, are you fucking kidding me? Like seriously. And, and he's like, absolutely. And we went for it again. And, you know, this time, you know, we, uh, found out it was twins at week 10. Uh, which for me just made me so nervous. And, and, and Tim was just, you know, calm and collected about the whole thing. And, uh, and then he went on a business trip and I was in the middle of a uh, Christmas party, you know, the juxtaposition of like, you know, being at this really happy, festive uh, Christmas party, hanging uh, ornaments and having hot cocoa, Mariah Carey's Christmas song was like on the background. And then I get a phone call um, from, you know, the Pennsylvania, uh, PD that, um, he had passed away and he had passed away, uh, the night before, uh, he was scheduled to, um, to do a presentation and he didn't show up. And so some of his colleagues got, um, nervous and they found him in his hotel room and it was a heart attack, Mm. uh, in his sleep. Um, I do know they didn't feel it because uh, that he didn't feel it because the, the detective described it as, you know, both his hands were tucked under his, his face and it looked like he was, you know, almost smiling. Um, so for me, as you can imagine, that was just, uh, it was just devastating on, on, on so many levels, but also then I only had a week to decide to follow through the pregnancy because at 12 weeks I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to make that, that decision anymore. And so I was pretty clear from that beginning or as soon as everything happened, I was like, you know, I'm definitely going to abort because, you know, who am I to raise three kids on my own? And on the sixth day of his passing was his funeral. And I remember getting up and, you know, sitting at the edge of the bed, it was still dark out. And it sort of hit me that, that, you know, my son just lost his father. And what if something were to happen to me? Uh, I didn't want to leave him alone in this world. So not only did I decide to follow through the pregnancy, Mm -hmm. But I, I announced that we were pregnant while giving my husband's eulogy. Nobody knew that we were pregnant. Um, and, and that was very intentional because I, I was alone and 
there was a church full of 300 plus people and that was the time to ask for love and support uh when the time came that the that the girls arrived so yeah it was, it was a wild time uh, yeah no i i i can't imagine i mean that's that that is you know um and and I'm almost positive that at some point there will be a movie made about your life. I mean, it's like that, <laughs> that, 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 uh, oh my God, you know, so much emotion. I mean, and, and I mean, it's like, you've got all of life right there in your, your whole experience, life, death, everything, um, birth, you yeah. know, joy, joy, sorrow, grief. I mean, it's all just so intense. Um, it was, you, and you know, the one thing I, I want to share, I want to share with people that are listening too is, is Avery is Tim's biological child. And so it is this, and they look so much alike. So it is this beautiful blessing that he's left behind. And then the girls are biologically mine, but all three have the same egg donor. So um, right. it, it's, it's nice to have that connection. And spoiler alert, that's kind of one of the things in that one TikTok that absolutely wrecked me was was you 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 kind of allude to that point of of looking at Avery and 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 seeing the love of your life every day um through him yeah. which yeah. is like just you know is, is so much um but so let's go to the TikToks I mean you during the pandemic <laughs> you got the which <laughs> there are a lot of ideas that came up during the pandemic and one of one was a really good one which you had which was to take your talented kids and do TikTok videos. How did that all come out? I mean, honestly, you know, I think, you know, uh, you know, I've always felt like I had a really large support system, but then, you know, when the pandemic hit, a lot of us parents didn't. And, you know, as a solo parent, uh, you know, like most of us parents had were, it was like triple duty, right? So we had a, we had a homeschool, we had a parent, and then we had to make our businesses survive, right? And so for me, all of those things felt really overwhelming. And I really, for me, had to figure out a way to break all of that up, because I knew that I would just drive myself crazy otherwise. And, and I also wanted to, you know, it, it became apparent very quickly that I went from really caring about their education to giving that a backseat and making sure that their mental well-being was, was in, in better shape. And so I, for us, you know, I always wanted to be a family that has a sense of humor and that we can poke fun of each other. And, you know, they were at the perfect age. You know, they were like five and six and pretty malleable, right? Like, you know, I could ask them to do almost anything and they're like so down and ready to rock and roll. And, and, um, and, and yeah, I just, I, I wanted to, I, I was selfishly doing it for myself and I, I've always documented uh, my life through video since forever. And so I also knew that this would be something I'd want my kids to look back on and see it as a time, like this time capsule of this, this moment we had together. But I think what was really nice is that, you know, it stuff started going viral and I couldn't really quite understand why, because I certainly there were other parents out there and there's other LGBTQ content, but I think, you know, I, I think what resonated with people is there was sort of like bridging this gap between Latinx and LGBTQ, but still somehow my content was relatable to all families. And so, and mm-hmm. these are not my words. These, these are other, other people saying this about my content. And, and so, yeah, for me, that felt really good because it just meant that we're, we're moving the needle a little bit and, um, and 
you know, I just wanted to continue to put really good, positive things out in the world because it was really hard at the time. And, you know, there was Black Lives Matter, and then there was, uh, you know, there was obviously COVID, there was Trump and all of that. And so I think the media was really trying to find some positive stories out there. And so my story got out. And so I think the media was just like, we, we, we need to tell the story uh, of this guy here. So. Yeah, I think one of the things, because the, the one video um, where you they get the question about where their mom is, um, you know, I think oh, it, yeah. and it speaks to the talent of your kids. I mean, they're so expressive, and they're so, you know, <laughs> they each one have, like, this great comedic timing and all that. But the expressions on their faces in that video where their their attitudes are just sort of like, um, hello, we have a gay dad, and that's just the way it is. And it just, that yeah. projection of, which can't be <laughs> artificial. I mean, it's got to be real and relatable. And I think that was, you know, I really do think that's a wake-up call because, I mean, I experienced that with my kids as well, where, like, especially as they were probably a little bit younger than your kids are now, but probably around the age when you were making the videos, was would have yeah. these women come in, and they would go, they would take on this thing about, like, oh, the tragedy of no woman in their lives. And they would start smothering my boys. And my boys would look at them like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, sure. you know, I don't need it. I have a, you know, I have parents. I have got love. I've got everything. You know, you're very nice, but please move away. You know, it was it's that the thing that comes out of kids that, you know, is just that, that truth and the wisdom of, of um, what the situation is. Um, so yeah. I want to I pivot a little bit to your business um, because sure. you, you have got this incredibly great wedding planner business going forward. This is another area where, you know, I am absolutely not a wedding planner, but I've officiated at a number of weddings. I'm, I claim the four weddings and a funeral as my, my mantra, because I appreciate it, four <laughs> weddings and a funeral. But um, and and honestly, I could not do what you do. That is like going into the lion's den to be a wedding planner. How did you get into that business? Well, uh, well I mean, honestly, it's a bit cliche. It's like I, I uh, Tim and I got married, and I really love the process of planning the wedding. And at the time, I was a video editor, which most people don't know about, and I think that's like that's sort of a light bulb moment for me. They're like, oh, that's why he's good at editing his videos. Um, but I, 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 was, I, I was sort of tired of getting, telling those stories on a screen. And when people were saying that I should do it for a living, then I, I made the decision that I wanted to get back out in the world away from a computer and, and start telling people's stories in a different way. And, you know, I really, I loved it from the jump. And um, I, 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 I don't know, like, you know, we're, I'm 13 years, uh, I'm 12 years in, 13 years, God, we're 2023, Happy New Year. Um, yeah. And I still absolutely love it. I I love my couples, most of them, uh, and, and the vendors are fantastic. And and I am in the best city, in, in my opinion, in the best city in the world to, to do weddings. I feel like I have everything at my disposal. So, um, yeah, I mean you know, I, I'm a big proponent of love in all areas. So uh, I feel really lucky to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. It, I mean, it's absolutely the most special moment, but it, it, 
I think you said it all in the, the little aside there of most of them. <laughs> it's like it's that it's that minefield there that is a little scary. I mean, it is that yeah. somebody. It's a couple, you know, and in many ways it's really elevated and exaggerated. But it's their the day of their lives and the the you know for the wrong personality, you know, who gets obsessive um, could be scary territory. What what is the most incredible wedding that you put on? What what made it the most incredible? Uh, I'll give you two quick ones. One is I'll give you an incredible, and then one that was just really in, like insane in the other direction. So I uh, met this couple last year. He was in his sixties, and she was in her fifties. And they approached me. And they knew about my personal story through media, I guess. And um, they shared with me that they both met through bereavement counseling. They had both lost their partners. Uh, They were both left as single parents uh, 12 years before. And they met in bereavement counseling. And, you know, to be able to um, plan a wedding for this couple to have, like, the second chance at, at love uh, for me was really magical. And it was at the Rainbow Room, you know, Rockefeller Center. And so, you know, to be able to be a planner, to plan at at the Rainbow Room is, you know, it's a dream come true. Uh, And for me, that was definitely, will always be one of the highlights for me. Um, And then I, you know, uh, incredible in the other direction, I did have a bride OD once. Uh, You know, she she was French. She was this French bride, and she came, you know, 100% of her guests were from, from, uh, from France. And, um, yeah, she just – she warned me ahead of time. She knew that there was going to be people partying, and, you know, ceremony went off without a hitch. Cocktail hour went off with a, uh, without a hitch. Dinner, people were eating, so that's a good sign, right? Like, okay, people aren't, like, cracked out yet. People are still eating. And then, uh, and then I – see her on the dance floor at reception and she ends up falling. She cuts herself on her arm and then I'm bandaging her up. And then I realize like, she's like, what's the problem? I don't understand. And I'm like, Oh man, she is getting messed up. And then I walk out of the bathroom and I, there are six bathrooms at this venue. You never have to be in a line. There were lines at every single one of these six bathrooms. And so I had to tell the doorman, like everybody's getting really coked up right now and we need to do something about it. And I turn around and I see five men, putting this bride down and she is ODing like white eyes rolling the oh back, foaming at the mouth, convulsing. And, uh, you know, she lived, she survived. But, you know, for me, that was like a what, and that was in the beginning of my career. So for me, that was like, uh, a quite, quite the experience. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and, and honestly, I for the sake of time, that, that is the edited version. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. I imagined a little, that you have wedding horror stories. I never imagined one that far. That is, that is beyond. Oh my God, I can't yeah, even yeah. imagine. Oh, that's that's <laughs> too much. <laughs> Let's move to some of your projects. Uh, so, uh, kind of parlaying off of your your uh, vast experience, uh, you've got a new series. Your co-host on the Crackle. First of all, tell us a little bit of, about Crackle. I don't know that everybody knows what that is. But then also your new series, yeah. Wedding Talk. Yeah, so it, it's a brand new it's uh, it's a brand new show, and it can be downloaded on Crackle. So what Crackle is, it, it's it's an app, right? It's a streaming service, and it's an app. So you can download it on your Apple TV and Roku, 
And once you download it, you can find a bunch of shows on there, right? And so um, Wedding Talk is on Crackle, but it's also part of the new Chicken Soup for the Soul network. So right off the bat, you know it's not going to be like a bitchy show. It's going to be positive. And, and uh, I was named one of the co-hosts with Joe Meyer, who's the wedding designer here in New York City, and Tara Lipinski, right, gold medalist Tara Lipinski, you know, it, it is, it is, she's the main host, and we show up as her experts. And the show is about showcasing these beautiful luxury wedding videos from all over the world, like from, you know, and each episode has a different theme. So there's like, you know, um, elopements, there's backyard weddings, which of course means like somebody's estate. And, you know, there's one in our very first episode where there are two men getting married on an active volcano. Um, and then oh we get the comments. On, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. You have to see it. You have to see it. And, um, and we get to just talk about it and discuss it. And as experts, we get to give advice. And, um, and for me, it, honestly, it's just it's a dream come true. And, and it really does show that you can merge two worlds together because I know – as a wedding planner, as a host, I would have never been asked to be a host had they not seen my personal feed at NYC Gay Dad and see my personality through that feed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's been really a blessing for me personally is that both have been continued to feed each other uh, and provide me such, you know, these wonderful opportunities. Um, and it, it looks like we're about to, we're going to shoot season, season two, um, hopefully in June to air or July to air in October. And I'm leaving on Monday to go shoot a, a Valentine's Day special for um, Love Stories TV, which, which, is, a, which is similar, um, you know, showcasing some, some weddings that are surrounding Valentine's Day. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, and that just occurred to me. You're probably gearing up for a big day for you for, I mean, wedding or Valentine's Day has got to be a busy day um, in your world. For sure, right? It's, it's like between, between Christmas and Valentine's Day, that's like engagement season. So, you know, yeah. bring it on. Let's bring on the inquiries and let's bring in the cash into this household. <laughs> now, so one thing, um, and, it, it, uh, and I'll be honest, it didn't come through with um, kind of some bio stuff from, from the agency, but uh, – I, I sort of yeah. caught it up elsewhere. Is um, you are we're actually part of a documentary by HBO Max um, called uh, the I think it's called the Sex Diaries. Is, yeah, is that happening? What's going on there? I mean, that's a little more even more personal. It's not a, that, not that the rest little, of your life is li- out there. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit more salacious, isn't it? Um, yes, yeah, so. Uh, a little over two years ago, I filmed a docu-series uh, called Sex Diaries, right? And it's based off of this popular column uh, that HBO decided to make into a show. And so I was approached on my single life on what, where I was currently. And at the time, I had met someone through TikTok who lives in uh, Toronto. And uh, we were courting each other over a few months, and then we decided to meet and I made the decision to have HBO document it because I thought that could be an interesting story to tell. Um, and fast forward two and a half years later, I, you know, when they told me that the show was actually airing, I was freaking out because at this point I built this family brand. 
Um, and I was like, oh, my God, mm. this thing, Sex Diaries, and what's it going to look like? And, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, I was really honestly stressing out about it. And then, you know, they were really generous and brought me into their office to preview the, the, my segment of the show. And um, they did a great job. And, and there, it's my <laughs> – if you watch this, the series, you'll see plenty of salacious activity, um, but uh, my episode is described as the heart story, um, oh. and it, tell, it, honor, it honors my story with Tim. It honors what it's like to be a single father while trying to date, um, and uh, they, they did a good job. So it already aired. Uh, they, they aired it on December 23rd. Uh, and so uh, now it's on HBO and, and you can catch it. Um, and, and Craig and I are no longer, uh, no longer an item. Um, but there's some, there's some promising things I think ahead for me. So I'm really excited to explore. Well, good. Yeah. Well, you certainly know how to love and how to love deeply. So, um, yeah, you, you need to be able to exercise that talent in your, in your life. Um, but uh, yeah. tell me more about the kids. What, what, um, cause these kids, your kids are so special and talented. Um, it's a uh, London, London, Lila and Avery. Uh, tell me what, what, uh, what do you think of when you think of each one of them? Oh gosh. Um, you know, in a nutshell, I say London is, uh, the diva, the fashionista, um, Lila is the entertainer, the athlete, and I call Avery the balance. Um, you know, he's, he's the, he's the only even keel one in this household. Uh, you know, the, the, the three of us remaining are, you know, we have really big personalities and Avery does too. Um, but you know, I, I, you could constantly find him rolling his eyes whenever, you know, any of the three of us are like, you know, up to our antics uh and so yeah i don't know there's something about that I, I actually really love that all of our personalities are very different from each other um and i think it's somehow that's just what makes us work and not be bored with each other and and they really do get along avery and lila get along the most because there's sort of you know they both love sports um and you know london you know she, she's gonna grow up. she's gonna want those manis and those petties and and, you know, all the things. So she, she's someone I'm nervous about when she turns into a teenager, which, which as you know, it, ha- it all happens fast and it's going to come before we know it. So, but, yeah, that's the, that's the three of them. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Although I have to say when we were, when I was going to become a father and my anticipation of it, um, the thing, you know, people would say, like, you know, okay, if you have a daughter, what, you know, how are you going to relate? How are you going to? You know, and I wasn't worried about any of that stuff. Not that I shouldn't have been because it didn't happen. I had two boys. But my biggest fear was, you know, was like at the top of the hour, they were going to get into football and all these stuff, and I was going to have to show up and act like I knew what was going on. That was the part that was mm. like, threatening to me. But, um, you know, and and that happened, and I had to step up to that. My uh, my one son had to introduce me to the Super Bowl. And it's like going, oh, okay.
as opposed to just a dad. And just to let you know, I actually wrote an article on that exact same subject called Why I Write as a Gay Dad Rather Than Just a Dad, um, which at the time was it, it, Yahoo picked it up as a lead article and it went all over. And I made the mistake then of reading the comment section and was accused by all sorts of strangers of being a pedophile and all these awful, awful comments. Mm. But um, mm. that's neither here nor there. But, but I totally get the heart of exactly what you were saying, but I want you to, to explain that. Why do you present as a gay dad as opposed to just a dad? Yeah, look, I think, you know, I mean, look what's been happening, you know, this whole year and last couple years with in our community. Uh, I, I think I, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to reading that article, uh, you know, because the reality is we all want to be just dad. I don't want I, I, I don't want people to see me necessarily as a gay dad. Right. And so but the reality is. You know, I, I had that handled nine years ago. So, you know, nine years ago, for me, it was important to put it out there because I didn't know that many gay dads. And so I thought if I label that through the algorithms and through the hashtags, then we'll somehow be able to connect and we'll be able to find each other. I want people to, I want other gay dads to find me because I want there to be sort of that relatability factor. And really, I ended up growing this beautiful community of other gay dads and um and i and i think that you know for example every year i, I host a, a gay brunch for other gay dads every, every year for father's day and it grew from like 20 to 100 on the, the the last year we did it and so um and in part that's because we were able to find each other through social media and and connecting mm -hmm. and and for me that was that that was you know that that's the reason why I think at the moment it's important to still identify as a gay dad because it's important more than ever that we are visible. I actually thought a few years ago that maybe we were kind of like heading in that direction of like, oh, I think, you know, pretty soon I'm going to, I think we can just be dad. Right. And then, you know, if, if, you know, I mean, look what's happened in the last few years. It, it's, it's almost swinging in the other direction and quickly. And so I feel even more strongly about labeling myself as a gay dad than ever before. Yeah. No, and I hope you do because I totally agree. And I think you are needed even more than ever. Um, it, it is important for your story to be out there. And, and it, it is a hard thing because, I mean, I do the same thing. It's like we put our families out there and, you know, it's, it takes a certain degree of bravery and, and, and our kids are part of this, you know? And so it's, um, you know, the, it, but it's important. I mean, it's important for other families and it's important for all that. I, I did a thing with my boys called junk food Wednesday because I, I didn't want junk food to be a part of our normal diet and a, a go-to. So Wednesday became our special holiday of the week where they each got to pick their own junk food. That, that we would, and I would take a picture and put it up on Facebook, and it got really popular, people seeing our pictures. And every Wednesday, I'd ask, Chronicle does that. But I'm putting my sons out wait, there on social media. Wait, Rob, sorry, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but I have to tell you, that's kind of how we started to get popular on social media, because instead of 
Wednesday, we did Super Snack Sunday because I, I, I didn't give my kids sugar. Like, I, I didn't give my kids sugar Monday through Saturday. And then every Sunday, I would have them try something that they've never tried before, like a fudgicle or, you know, a ho-ho, like whatever it was, and a root beer float. And so every week, people were curious every Sunday, like, oh, what are the kids going to try now? So I love that we have that in common. Yeah, no, that's, that's so awesome. I can't even tell you. I love that. So um, anyway, I, I, I just love what you're doing. I absolutely support you. Um, and everybody needs to check out your videos. They're absolutely charming. Um, I, I, I did want to mention one that you recently put up about the Lenta app. Um, that actually yeah. is near and dear to Brody's heart. He is um, actually fighting for an artist friend of ours. Um, who has whose work has been um, plagiarized by them? His style um, plagiarized by them, and um, so I really appreciated seeing you step out and and um, make commentary about that. We are down to our last two minutes. Um, let you have the last words. What haven't I asked you that we should get out there real quick? Oh gosh. Um... I don't know. I think I think right now it is more important than ever uh, for anyone who has children and anybody who has people that are really close to them um, is to really show people what compassion and empathy looks like, especially for the young kids. I, I do strongly believe that the Gen Z generation, which the oldest is, are they're like 24 and my kids are classified Gen Z. I really do think that they're going to be the uh, the generation to change this world more than, you know, any generation in a long time. And so I think it, it's really vital to be able to really show your kids how, what it's like to be vulnerable, what it's like to be compassionate, what it's like to give, um, because we really want, we want to empower them. And, you know, that, that's like my biggest thing with my children. And, and I hope that you know, all the parents out there in the world and, and, and caregivers and people that have loved ones can, can really put that out as much as possible. So that, that's really sort of like my main mission at the moment, especially with everything going on in the world. Well, that is awesome. You are awesome. Thank you for all you do. Um, God bless you and your kids. Um, and they're actually blessed by having you. I mean, and, they will be the strong leaders of this world. I guarantee it. Um, for those wanting to find out more of Jose, maybe much to your chagrin, but um, yeah, they will be. Um, you can find Jose at NYCGayDad. That's on Instagram. You can also find him on the same address on TikTok at NYCGayDad. His website is www.joserolandevents.com. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, thank you, Jose, for joining us today. Um, can't wait to see more from you um, in the future. And I want to thank Brody Levesque for all of his work. Um, you can read The Los Angeles Blade at losangelesblade.com. Feel free to look up Rob Watson on there as author page. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff, too. Um, and every, a lot of the rest uh, is Brody, um, and Brody commands the helm there. And again, every day, brand new, top-level journalism stories appearing there. 
um, lets you know the depth of everything that is going on. And we will be back again next week, Rated LGBT Radio. Um, Tell your friends, subscribe, and definitely show up. Talk to you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.